Well, it's new series time. Today we're going to start a new series looking through the whole book of Romans. So it's going to take a few sermons to get through, because we're not going to do it like, um, like Titus. We got it done in about four weeks. Um, instead, we're going to take probably the next three months and work through the book of Romans together, because it's quite a long book and there's so much to say within that. Like today, we're only going to be looking um, at the first seven verses, really. Well, eight verses. So we're going to look through this. And you see, we've looked at a few of the smaller books, um, and, and we've wrestled with the issues that's within them, so Titus and First Timothy. Um, and now, as I said, we're going to look at this bigger book and um, have a bit more to wrestle with, because um, it's talking to a completely different context of church. See, there's so much to wrestle with within the book of Romans, because it deals with a, a lot of different themes. And within the themes, you've got the theme of sin. What is sin? You know, you've got salvation. What is salvation? Growth. How do we grow? Sovereignty. Who God really is. And service. How do we serve him? And you see, the, um, to understand a bit more of the context of what Paul was speaking into, Paul was speaking into a church that was founded by some believers who, um, who actually got saved on the day of Pentecost. And then they went back to Rome and started the Roman church. So this church hadn't been founded by apostles. It hadn't been founded by, uh, directly by one of, the, um, one of the disciples of Jesus, one of the apostles. But, but this church was founded by a group who got the faith and then went back and just started applying it. And the church grew and grew. And the thing is, as I said, no, none of the apostles ha had visited it, but Paul had planned to visit it. So he had put it in, in, put it in context and went, right, if I go here, I go here, I believe God will lead me on to, to, to Rome. And he really wanted to go back to Rome because that's where he was originally from. He's a Roman. Paul is originally a Roman. So Paul especially had, van, uh, had planned to do this. So what did he do? He wrote them this letter to introduce himself to introduce um, what he believes and, and the faith that, that they were collectively meant to have. So he was uh, sharing with them the truths of the gospel as he seen it, as he was teaching it, and as he was applying it as an apostle of Jesus. That's what he was doing by, through writing Romans. So a lot of the book of Romans is very, it's the basics of Christianity but in, and how to apply it. That's a lot of the book of Romans. And sometimes it even might feel like it's repeating itself, but it's reinforcing the fact of who we are meant to be as followers of God. So in the coming weeks, we're going to look at all these different aspects and all the different themes around this. And we're going to see what God has to say with us. With, with us. And as I said, Paul's introducing himself and building links with the believers through this book. So whenever he did arrive, he would be able to commune straight away with them because they would understand and recognize him through his teachings and his writings. So the bonds of the faith would just be there. I don't know about you, but sometimes whenever I meet up with other Christians, it just seems there's an automatic bond and you don't even have to try. Sometimes with some people, you just connect because it's just God connecting you because you're, even though you're totally different backgrounds, totally different um, totally different where you're from and where you apply your faith, the faith is still there. So you just bond straight away with these brothers or sisters. So Romans 1, verse 1, and we're going to read to verse 7 together. 
And it says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God, the gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, regarding his son, who, as to his earthly life, was a descendant of David, and who, through the spirit of holiness, was appointed the Son of God by the power of his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Through him we receive grace and apostleship to call all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith for his name's sake. And you also are among those Gentiles who are called to belong to Christ Jesus. To all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be his holy people, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. See, Paul begins this in what we might think is just a normal way. He is, he's, he's just basically introducing himself. But to the Romans, this would actually probably be quite a shocking introduction because the first word out of Paul's mouth is he's him calling himself a servant. And obviously, if you know anything about the history of this time, the Romans were the dominant force of the day. And it would be unthinkable for a Roman to call himself a servant. So speaking into this church, the first words he says is a challenging word, basically challenging them to serve, challenging them to be a servant. So automatically, he kicks straight in, and he doesn't dance around any issues. He just kicks straight in going, it's our duty to serve. It's our duty to, to, to be the God. And to choose to become a servant as well when you're part of the ruling, ruling force, it's countercultural. It would be totally against the culture for a, Roman, for a Roman citizen to go out and serve people. Because as I said, they're the dominant force. They are the rulers of the, of the people in land. People from Rome were sent all over the then known world to dominate and rule the people of the lands. So to, to challenge him straight away by calling, uh, calling himself, who is a Roman citizen, a servant, he identifies straight away what God's mission is. The same way as Jesus. Jesus didn't come to laud his position over everyone. He didn't come to say, I am, I am God, worship me. He came in and he served. He came in and he made himself and considered himself nothing. And that's what a servant does. They consider themselves nothing to serve their master, to serve the wishes and, the, uh, and, and to serve what the master wants to happen. And this is what we need to choose to do as well. Because in our, in our land, and our culture, we need to choose to serve our culture, even though it's unthinkable. Sometimes, to, how could I serve them? Do you not know what they've done? We all know that drug dealer in the street that uh, you know, we're supposed to serve them. And, yet, and you just think, well, how, how, could, I, how could I serve that person? I, I know the rumors about that person. I know what that person's supposed to be like. And sometimes we make judgments like that. See, the, word caught them, the wording of this caught them off guard. So why would Paul choose this servanthood? Why would Paul choose to serve the people around him? See, we probably wouldn't think twice reading, reading that. We just read, oh, Paul was a servant. Oh, we, we choose to serve people. Okay. But 
we need to think with fresh eyes. We need to come to God's word always with fresh eyes going, God, what can you teach us? We all need to choose to serve because we, at the minute we're all serving something. At the minute we're all servants to something. Whatever we choose to invest our time in, that's what we're serving. That's who we're serving. So what do you prioritize in your life? What do you choose to put above everything else? That's probably what you're serving. And if at the top of the list isn't God, maybe we need to have a think about that. Maybe we need to have to have a check in our life and go, okay, am I really serving God the way I'm meant to if he's not the person that's taking the top priority in my life? God is supposed to be number one in our lives. You see, Matthew 6, verse 21 puts it like this. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So wherever, whatever you deem most valuable, whatever you deem to be valuable in your life, that's what you're going to invest in. That's what you're going to put your time into. That's what you're going to choose to, to, to do. So what are we serving in life? Who are we serving? What does that look like in our lives? How are you choosing to live your life every single day? See, service of God only comes the only true service of God comes whenever you renounce other things that have taken priority, whenever you say, they're not worthy of my time, they're not worthy of my effort as much as this, as much as the mission God's given me, as much as the calling God's placed in my life, as much as what God is doing through me and through the community I live in, which is St. Paul's. See, we have to choose to give up other stuff. We have to choose to sacrifice sometimes what we want to serve God and what he wants to do. And I know a lot of you do. A lot of you choose to sacrifice a lot of your own time, a lot of your own money, a lot of your own efforts. You choose to do that so that God can have the glory. So I'm sure God wants to honor us for that. But it's just always nice to challenge ourselves and remind ourselves of the true calling in our lives, the true callings that we all have to follow God Another challenge is sometimes we do give so much, but as I said, sometimes we have to choose to give more. So my challenge, and God's challenging me with this, is what am I willing to give up to see God move more in my life, to see God move more in the life of this church? What am I willing to give up? What am I willing to sacrifice? And I'm sure he'd challenge all of us in that way. How much are we willing to sacrifice to see God move in this area, in this land, in our lives, in our families' lives, in our friends' lives. You see, we're all called into, into God's service. That's what the Apostle Paul says in the passage. He says we're, we're all called into God's service, and we need to ask how we have responded to the calling that's on our lives. How have you responded to the calling in your life that God's given you? Or is it just sort of, God called me years ago, I had an experience with God years ago, and now I just do life the way I do life. Life isn't meant to be meaningless and monotonous and just um, going through the motions. Life is meant to be lived every day, not survived. What questions are we asking ourselves? Or, or do we say, I'll get to that when I'm ready? I'll get to that when I'm in a better place or I'll get to that whenever I sort it out um, or I sort myself out or I sort that out. Whatever, what obstacles are we putting in the way of serving God the way God's asked us to serve him? 
Sometimes that's what we do. We make excuses. We make, um, you know, we, 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 we just say, oh, I'll do that whenever I can get to it or whenever things are in a better place or whenever I have the money or whenever, you see where I'm going? Sometimes we just delay things just because we think it's going to be easier down the road to do or to apply. But each day has to be a choice. We wake up every morning and we have the choice, follow God and listen to his voice or not. And every moment of every day is filled with them options. Do we listen to God's voice or do we choose to believe what we believe and choose to go our own way? You see, the good news that we believe in is timeless. This message that the Apostle Paul brought to the Romans, that he was sending to them, it's timeless. Even you know, before that, no matter how far you go back in time, it talks about it. It talks about this good news, because in verse 2 and 3, it talks about the prophecies throughout the Old Testament, describing this good news, describing the gospel, describing what was coming. And everybody was looking for this Messiah. Everybody was looking forward and waiting for this Messiah to come with the good news. And then Jesus came along and it caught them off guard. It didn't come in in the package they thought it was going to come in. It didn't come the way I thought. And the same will happen in our lives. We sometimes look for God to move, but God starts moving in ways we can't dream, we can't imagine, and we can't understand. God starts using the most painful and hard circumstances sometimes to show us more about love and joy. And they might seem contradictory, but God uses all the things, all of the mess in our lives to actually to lift himself up more, to actually so to praise his name more. Because at the end of the day, it's good news and God's ways and God's thoughts aren't our ways and they're not our thoughts. You think, oh, for somebody to get this point, they have to go through this. But God goes, no, 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 I'm going to use complete opposite circumstance to teach that person about patience or about joy or about whatever topic. God's going to use whatever circumstances we walk into to teach us. So are we looking for the teachings? Are we looking for what God wants to teach us? Because as I said, this is timeless. So no matter how far back in history or no matter how far forward in history, the good news that Jesus came to save is timeless. The good news that Jesus came to help us live a life worthy of the calling that God has placed in our life, that is timeless. And that goes for every single person in this world because the Bible says that God would have none to perish. He doesn't want anybody to not be in a relationship with him. But it's only through choice that we don't engage in this relationship with God. And the thing is, whether you've been saved 20 years or two minutes, it's up to us how much we engage with God. Sometimes the longer we go on, the more distant we can come to God sometimes because we choose to remove ourselves from God's will, from God's presence. We choose to let our lives become monotonous to become the way it's always been and we just go through the motions of our life. You see, in verses three to five, um, Paul states some of the the truths so that this will actually inspire inspire them that Jesus was who he said he was. Because he talks about um, Jesus being a descendant of David. He starts reminding them of the history and just sort of saying, look, in the Bible it said in the past that this Jesus, the Messiah, is going to come through the line of David. So he starts reminding of this. And then he starts telling them about Jesus dying and raising again. Because that's the power of our salvation. 
And then because Jesus died and because he rose again, it's opened the door to God's grace and mercy in our lives. Our doors are, uh, the doors of our lives should be open to God. And then he goes, this isn't meant to be exclusive. Because at first it was only the Jews preaching to the Jews. But, <coughs> sorry, excuse me. But the thing is, it's not meant to be an exclusive thing. It's meant to be inclusive. <coughs> sorry. The gospel is an inclusive message. It's, somebody that, it's something that invites everybody to partake in it. Everybody come and listen to this message. That's something it does. Now, whether you choose to believe it or not, whether you choose to believe it in faith, that's up to you. But the message is open to everyone. That's why we can go out and tell people, because this is an open message. It's not meant to be for a holy huddle. It's not meant to be for a group of people who already believe. It's not meant to be just a wee encouragement so we can pat ourselves on the back and say, yeah, you believed. It's not about that. But this message is a message of hope. It's a message for the most broken soul to the, to the most put together soul. It's a message that um, incorporates everyone because we're all in some way broken. We're all in some way fallen. We're all in some way can think of a way that we don't meet God's standard. And that's the message that we carry. We don't, we don't come to church because we're all together. We come to church because we're broken. We come to church because we need God, because we need God to intervene in our lives. And then, and then through meeting together and encouraging each other and spurring each other on and through listening to God's word, through, through singing songs, through prayer, through prophecies, through speaking in tongues, through whatever way God chooses to work, we get encouraged. We become more like Jesus. We become more like God. And we are actually then able to go out and be a reflection of God. And we don't go out in a way going, look at us, we're brilliant. We go out and we serve. We go out and we love people. Cynthia was telling me that she was talking to somebody um, throughout the week, and, that, um, and they're not a Christian. And they were just saying um, they met this guy, and they couldn't get over how much you can see God through the way he serves everybody around him, through his business and through his, uh, just the way he lives his life. He just, you could just see God knitted throughout every area of his life. And he doesn't, run around, he doesn't have to run around screaming it from the rooftops. But I'm sure he does share. Whenever he's asked about it, I'm sure he shares his faith. But that's the way we're meant to live our lives. So that, uh, as St. Francis of Assisi said, that we're preaching the gospel at all times. We're preaching this gospel. We're preaching the good news. And if needs be, we use words. Our lives are meant to be that evident with God's presence that we just follow God. We are meant to be a servant to this message. We're meant to serve the message of God. So as we go about our everyday lives, as we run into people in Tesco's or run into people wherever we go, whatever that looks like, we just say, hey, I love this. I love this guy called Jesus. Have you heard? Have you heard he loves you too? It's just meant to flow out of us. Not in a forceful way, not in a you must believe way, but in a, oh, do you realize how loved you are? Do you realize how cherished you are? Do you realize the joy of the message that God's given me? 
because we're forgiven, because we get forgiven. Whenever you choose to follow God, you're forgiven for all the wrong things you've done. So why would that not fill you with joy? Why would that not fill you with happiness? Why would you not be bouncing from the rooftop? I'm sorry, if I, if, if, if I had a mortgage and, I, and somebody turned around and said, I just paid your mortgage off, I'm going to be pretty happy. Aren't I? Yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure you would be too if you had a mortgage over your head and, and then somebody paid, oh, it's paid off, don't worry about it. You'd thank them so much. You'd want to take them for dinner. You'd want to celebrate. You'd want to, you'd want to throw a party. You'd want to, dear knows what else you'd want to do. You'd go on holiday. You know, you'd make it obvious. Uh, well, it would be obvious just by looking at you how overjoyed you are that you don't have that burden anymore. But why do we not get like that whenever we remember our sins are forgiven? Why do we allow it just to become, oh yeah, Jesus forgive our sins for all the wrong things we've done? And we just end up just sort of going, okay. Why do we not get overjoyed by it? Why do we not let it bubble up within us? God's joy is meant to bubble out of us. Our lives are meant to be a fountain of love, a fountain of joy, a fountain of happiness, a fountain of, of peace. That's what we're meant to be. Does it mean we're always going to be happy, always joyful? No. But we're meant to actually smile. We're meant to actually, you know, enjoy this. As much as, as much as yes, we have to be solemn and reverent as we come to God. He's a holy God and a fearful, you know, we're meant to be afraid in his presence because it's meant to be that awesome and awe-inspiring. But, but joy is not irreverent. I'm sure, I'm sure the queen, if you come to the queen, I'm sure she doesn't want a bunch of solemn-faced people in her presence. She wants a bunch of smiling people who are happy to be in her presence, who are happy to be engaging with her, or are happy to have, to, to, yes, I'm spending time with the queen. Do you realize how amazing this is? And yes, there's etiquette that, that has, that, that's followed to show the reverence of the position, but the joy and the happiness should be there too. And I think we as a church sometimes mistake joy for irreverence, mistake celebration for irreverence, for taking away from God's presence, whereas not, it should add to it. Our joy should add to, what, to, to the reverence of God. It should add to the awe of God because we should be so filled with joy and awe that people should be looking at us going, what are they on? What have they got? I want some. Not in a wacky way, but in a really tangible, amazing way. See, this is what obedience means, because obedience comes from faith for his name's sake. Not for ours, but for his. So whenever you go out and you apply this message in love, you, 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 you in faith, go out and tell people. You, in faith, go out and live your life in a way that shows people the love of God. You will see God's name be lifted high. Not, our, not St. Paul's, not your name, not my name, not anybody's name, but you'll see God's name be lifted high because people will look at you and go, man, that guy's amazing. You can tell he loves God. The same way as Cynthia, Cynthia's friends seen that in somebody else. So we've got to let our faith rise up. What, as I, I've challenged you before, what are you believing for? So if as... Um, Whenever uh, Zechariah was praying in the temple, when it, um, and the angel came to him and said, your prayers have been answered, you're going to have a son. If an angel came to you today and said, your prayers have been answered, what have you been praying about in the last couple of days that would be answered? 
What have you been praying about for the last 10 years that would be answered? What have you been praying about that would be answered if an angel came to you today and said your prayers have been answered? This is why we need to let our faith bubble up. We need to let um, let our step out in faith and go, okay, God, what do you want me to pray for? What do you want me to engage with? What do you want me to do with my life every single day? And that's why our life should be a response to this message because this is a message of love and hope. So if we're not giving love and hope to others, if we're not giving that to others, we need to question how well are we reflecting the love of God if we're not giving it away. Because freely we've received this message, so we should freely give. It says that in the Bible. I forget exactly where. See, we're among the people that are called to follow God. You're called to follow God, and you can choose to respond to this message or not. Every day, every choice you make can be a response to the message of God as a yes or a no. And that's your choice. And that's why we need to put our faith and step into this message, step into the message that Jesus, is, Jesus saves. And we need to apply these teachings of Jesus in faith. So as we look through um, different passages in the Bible, and as we look through Romans, we're going we're gonna to learn a lot together about how to apply this message, how to apply this message in faith, and how are we going to live our lives in line with that calling? That's a big question mark over all of our lives. How are you going to apply these truths. How do you apply the truths of the Bible? See, when you think about it, I wonder what did they think about it back in the day whenever they heard about being a servant? Do you think they embraced it straight away or do you think they had to wrestle with it for a while? What does it mean that I've got to be a servant? See, this isn't going to be a fix overnight. We need to choose every day, as I said, Every single time an opportunity comes up, we need to choose it. We need to choose to let our lives declare the message of God because sometimes we can let other stuff overtake that. We can let other stuff dominate that. See, sometimes some of us only want to put on our best face. We only want to let people see what we want to see. It's a bit like Instagram or Facebook or Snapchat or all of these. They've all, they've all got, got their filters. They've all got their, their ways of trying to present. And people always try and present their best them they can. It's their highlight reel. It's the best moments of their life. And then everybody's looking in at the best moments of their life going, I wish my life was like that. I wish my life was that good. Do we do that in church? Do we only let people in church see our highlight reel? Do we only let them see the best of us, the best face that we've got? Or do we come in when we're struggling and, I don't know, maybe someone here this morning is really struggling with something. And you're afraid to let people know. You're afraid to let people show. Maybe you need to open up more in all aspects of your life because, as I said, this is a complete gospel. It's not just the highlight reel. It's not just the best moments. God works through our best moments and our worst moments. In verse 8 it says, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is reported all over the world. See, we've got to live this with that in our this message. We've got to live it within our with that in our minds. That we want the, our faith to be known all over the world. It doesn't mean we're known as individuals, but we want our faith to be known all over the world. 
So we need to step into this with faith-filled eyes, going, okay, God, what am I going to risk for you today? What am I going to do for you today? Believe this message in faith and watch God work through you. So if you believe it and you apply it, God will work through you. But if you choose not to, he won't. You won't want to be known for your faith as you serve God because you, you'll, you'll, you'll come with, with the right heart and the right attitude. You'll give the glory to God because God is good and God will use you if you choose to let him. But the thing is, we'll be, knowing, we'll be known because of our selfless faith because as we go out and, as I said, show this love, it will transform lives. That's why we're meant to be servants. That's why we're meant to serve the people around us. That's why we're meant to fill them full of hope, fill them full of this love, fill them full of this message that they're invited to be part of this. They're invited to be part of this party, this celebration, this joy. Do our lives reflect that? Do we reflect the celebration and the joy and the passion and even the reverence and holiness? Does our lives reflect that? How much does our lives reflect God? That's something we need to think upon. That's something we need to work through because a servant is meant to reflect his master. So as, as we're servants of God, do we reflect our master? Let's pray together. God, today we can choose to serve you or not. We can choose to listen to your words or not. So God, we just thank you, God, for your majesty. Thank you for um, how awesome you are, God. You fill us and inspire us with awe at your message, at what you give us, at what you want to give us, at what you long to give us. You long to give us life and life to the full. So God, just encourage us now with this message. Encourage us now with this message of hope. God, help us choose every moment of every day to serve you, to serve the message that you've given us, God. You've given us this message of hope, not to keep it to ourselves, but to include it, as the Apostle Paul said, to, to, to spread it through the Gentiles, that as you obey the word of God, you become in relationship with God. That's what we're meant to do. We're meant to serve God. So God, give us the strength to serve you every day. Give us the strength to listen to your heart every day. Give us the voice to speak your words to our friends, to our family, to the strangers that we run into, God. Whoever we run into, God, may we just serve them by serving you. God, use our lives in way we, ways we never dreamed or ways we never imagined. So come and have your way. Amen. Amen.